first ever title defense of the IWGP Heavyweight title by Kenny Omega is now. So you're looking at another historic facet of this broadcast. Up, wrestling fans, your host with the most, George McCarm in the building. Here's my cohort in crime, Steve the Animal Mitchell. What's going on, wrestling fans? What's going on is that tonight is your spin at the wheel. We are halfway through November. Survivor Series coming up this weekend, and today is your superstar profile. Yeah. And for anybody who hasn't followed our social media and doesn't know, your spin at the wheel was Kenny Omega. And if the clip at the beginning wasn't a dead giveaway, then I don't know what to tell people. Right? Yeah. <laughs> But we do want to run into, before we get into that, we just want to run into a couple quick announcements to let people know what's coming up in the next little bit of time. And uh, so Survivor Series, last week we did mention we were going to do Survivor Series Live. But a couple things have transpired this week that have changed our opinions. And in protest, we are not doing a Survivor Series pre-show. And what's the name of the person that we are holding in protest of why we're not doing any of this? Nia Jax. Yeah. We are in protest completely, 150% of Nia Jax. Everyone knows my feelings. I have very strong feelings about Nia Jax. I have never once said otherwise. You, as well, have also had very strong opinions on Nia Jax. But what transpired this week, and we're not going to get into it. We don't want to have, have a heavy debate about it. But there was a Raw invasion angle, as they do every year now with Survivor Series. SmackDown came on Raw to kind of make a statement beforehand. Becky did a really awesome arm bar on Ronda Rousey. Things were looking great. Then, you know, a couple of the other girls got involved, and then, boom, Nia Jax threw a punch. A legitimate punch. Not a stage punch, not a uh, pre-rehearsed punch, but a real punch, thus breaking, uh, and from what I understand, shattering um, Becky Lynch's nose bone. Completely busted, bleeding, that was real blood, that was all over her face. Everything was legit, and apparently now Nia has caused backstage heat. John Cena even shared that shit on his Instagram. Right. Like, <laughs> when John Cena, and, and John Cena is a guy who's literally been the pinnacle of what a lot of people like to say about the guy is the shovel. He was literally the shovel for the early stages of his career until he got older and started helping put guys over. But much like that, uh, Nia Jax has found a way to push herself way down to the bottom. And even though WWE kind of saved face by throwing Charlotte in the match against Ronda Rousey this Sunday... Still feel that this was probably the most anticipated match on the card. Definitely. Therefore, causing a lot of people to probably not tune in. Uh, we, as we always do, will be watching Survivor Series. But will we be watching it caring? Not really. Nope. And also Daniel Bryan going up against um, Brock Lesnar. Spoiler alert if anybody didn't see SmackDown. Daniel Bryan making a slow heel turn. Kicked AJ Styles in the nuts again. 
This poor man cannot have any more children the amount of times his nuts have been hit. Seriously. His nuts have been hit more times. I read this on Facebook today. His nuts have been hit more times than Brock Lesnar has offended the Universal Championship. <laughs> okay? So that tells you how many times this poor man's balls have literally been hit by someone. Whoever uh, made that statistic, you're, you're my spirit animal. Seriously, oh, that's incredible. I read that on Facebook today and I was like, ah, <laughs> uh, the internet, this this wins the internet today. Yes, it does. So, um, yeah, it's just unfortunate. Uh, uh, you and I both shared posts on the Straight Talk pages. Mine, uh, not agreeing with it. You, on the other hand, saw the upside, and that's fine. But I'm an AJ Styles guy, and I just think that he was so close to Punk's reign. It's literally right around the corner. Rumble would have been close to either tying Punk's reign or surpassing. Yeah. All I'm saying is, you've let the man run 365 plus. Let him go the extra 60 plus days. Let him get that reign. Let him cement himself in WWE history. He's already done it, but let him cement himself. But at the same time, I see it that he's literally been uh, the showman. He's literally been the workhorse. He's been literally doing carrying the company on his back. And now, you know what? He gets to take a break, not be on the card at Survivor Series, and kind of enjoy some family time, which I'm sure he's missed. I'm sure he's definitely missed that. He looked burnt, <laughs> man, after I saw that last picture. There's one, there's one picture that's like... Uh, there's one picture they took on SmackDown, uh, do it every week of before every match, and they take pictures of the guys before they go out, and they did it before Styles went out, and I remember looking at that picture and just seeing his face and just being like, he looks so tired, man, You like, he looks so run down, and not to say it's not like the same for everybody else, and it's not anywhere close to the same as, as, as any, not, not in a spectrum that it's not like that for anybody else, it's just the fact of how hard that guy's been running, he literally came into the company they made him champion almost immediately, and he was just running with it. He was just running with Carl Anderson and running with Luke Gallows for a while, and then all of a sudden, after the Jinder Mahal thing happened, and uh, so then and in comes AJ Styles to save the day, and he's he was the savior from taking a twenty-hour flight after he did Raw and then going to SmackDown and doing all that. It's insane the kind of schedule that whatever everybody else has been running compared to what AJ Styles and Roman Reigns have been running. And uh, really, like it's just it's 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 amazing now to to see AJ to actually get a break, um, to throw a curveball in what was supposed to actually happen at Crown Jewel that everybody completely forgets about that if that match was supposed to actually have happened at Crown Jewel, but instead it got completely debauched and uh, and switched around, and then we got the match on television, and then I just kind of looked at the event and I looked at the outcome and was like, okay, you're making Daniel Bryan turn heel. You're giving him a fresh, a fresh everything back to his, his roots of AJ, AJ Lee when he was a super psycho. That's what it looked like with his maniacal smile and how he was just coming off and I was going full heel. And then make AJ Styles, get him on the draft, get him on Raw, and get him a shot at that Universal title. Let him run with that. Yeah, and I, I, a lot of people, there was speculation too that a lot of people didn't want to see AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar too. But here's the thing, I did want to see it for the so reason why. So did I. For the really reason badly. why. Reason why is that AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar won was Brock Lesnar's best match of last year. It was, and if you go back and you watch that, like honestly, if you go back and you really watch how what a story they put on of the small guy just trying to, he's getting his ass kicked the whole match, only it was just Roman Reigns 2.0. It was like that was the way that match was supposed was, to go. But it was AJ, the story, but AJ AJ's a better AJ, wrestler. Yeah, and AJ held his own a lot. There was a lot of times yeah. where he wasn't always getting his ass kicked, but yeah. Brock Lesnar did control the majority of the match. Yeah. But I still believe that um, AJ Styles, Brock Lesnar 2, Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey 1 would have been great. Now yeah. they're looking to shape that it's going to be uh, Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania, which means that Becky's probably going to drop the title on SmackDown. And when the draft happens, she will also become a lady 
of uh, on the women's roster on Raw. Totally. Therefore, that's now going to set up. So Rousey versus Becky at WrestleMania. Yeah, shut up and take my money, WWE. Totally. But Ronda versus uh, Becky, no title match at Survivor Series that could have springboarded to WrestleMania. Loved it even more. Because right. no title on the line, that means they can literally go out there and give it their all with no fear of losing their title. Yeah. They're going out there just say, I'm going to be the better, I'm going to be the more dominant wrestler. And I wanted to see Armbar versus Armbar. So uh, this week's superstar blunder uh, belongs to Nia Jax. Round of applause, Nia Jax. Yeah. Fire Nia Jax. I said it last week. I'll Hashtag say it this week. Fire Nia Jax. 100%. We actually got a lot of uh, 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 debate on that on our on our Facebook page. One of our longtime listeners, Pell Les, he's actually one of my friends from high school. Right. Him and you kind of went back and forth a little bit on Facebook. I thought you had both great points, and I thought his point about the fat shaming, yes, that's wrong. And I've always said it here on this show, even though I don't like her, it's not because she's a big girl. It's because she's not using herself like a big girl. Whereas she could literally be Brock Lesnar female. She could literally go in there and just be as dominant as she wants to be. But mm-hmm. she doesn't. She's awkward in the ring. She looks weird. She's stressful. And um, none of her matches are enjoyable. Whereas you brought up the point that The Rock kind of made her a hard worker. Or so she says. But she's not putting the time in. Listen, you have the ability where you have a gym at your fingertips. You have the ability where you can go in and you can shed some pounds. You can cut yourself. You can get back to the weight that you want to be. It's yeah. just about how hard you want to work. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in that because myself. Because now, you know, a couple things have come to light. And I've got to make some changes. And I have been. I think I'm down like three pounds. Congratulations. Really, thank you. You can't see it. And I had like six spring rolls before we started the show, so that probably gained that all back. But regardless of the fact to say is that, like you said, you want to be the hardest worker in the ring, you want to have this persona, then you have to do it. You yeah. have to show and prove like all the other women are. Yeah. Sasha Banks, Bailey, Charlotte, Becky, those, guys, those girls are nonstop workers. Ronda Rousey, we've seen her workouts from the USC days. Yeah. We, we know that these women will work. Naomi, all of these girls, Natty, they all put the time in. Yeah. you got to put the time in too. Can't just be a look at me, I'm Nia Jax, I'm The Rock's cousin. I hate it. I've hated it from the get-go, much like Tamina. And I read this on the internet today too, and then we're going to get right into Kenny because I think we spent too much time. But my final thought on this is, I read this on the internet today. Her and Tamina have never really had to try because of legacy, because of who they are, because of who they're related to. Their spots are safe. Yes. And that's and that's very sad. Yeah. I don't care if you come from Samoa Dynasty. I don't care if you're Jimmy Snuka's daughter. you got to work. Because guess what? Cody Rhodes... He came from legacy and he still had to work. So I completely disagree with that statement that, oh, because of who they're related to, they feel their spots are safe. If those two feel their spots are safe, it's sad. Yeah. What should happen is Tamina should literally be forced to retire and Nia Jax should go back down to NXT. They should put her on a nutrition and a workout program, get her into in-ring shape, teach her some new moves, get her better, then bring her up. I feel she was rushed too quickly because of who she's related to. And I've always said that from day one. I don't give a crap if the one of the greatest Mike men in the world is your cousin. He didn't. He came from legacy, and he had to work. Yeah. He didn't become the people forget. He didn't become the Rock overnight. Yeah. He was Rocky Maivia for a long time, and working on that all the time, <clears throat> watching his own tapes back, learning about himself, trying to make everything better every week. I don't see any of that from this idiot. That Yeah, Nia Jax is a stupid idiot that literally has no idea how to hashtag get out Jericho. there. Hashtag Jericho. Yeah, hashtag <laughs> Chris Jericho. Another guy who busts his ass and works his ass off every single week. I was just week. segueing the su- stupid idiot, but yeah. yeah and it's sure. great though, because it actually is another example of like somebody who's actually just like one of the hardest workers in the room. Still, to this day, it's one of the hardest 
hardest workers in the room. And those are the people that I trust. And Mikhail, I love you, dude, because, like, seriously, um, I just, I really, like, no bare bones, no nothing. It was literally just, I, I love having those opinionated conversations back and forth because it's not anything out of any kind of animosity or any kind of, like, I want to be right and I, I don't care what your, your opinion is or anything like that. I love listening to everything you're saying, and I love back and forth, the back and forth that we had going on. Yeah, um, I think you both brought both, up. Great I thought points. we both brought up you really did. great points 100%. when it came when it came to that. Hundred percent, I can't disagree. That's why I I agree with his point, but then your point after you made a statement as well, and it was like, you know what? I see his point about the fat shaming, but I see your point about having to be the hardest worker in the room. So in that particular debate, I couldn't pick a side because you both really brought out valid, honest, and truthful points. Rock and roll. So without further ado, fire Nia Jax. There will be no Survivor Series pre-show for us, but depending on how things go, we will be back next year for the Royal Rumble pre-show. Absolutely. Yes? Okay. Absolutely. All right, Absolutely. so we will go live, and we agreed that we're all we're going to go live for the four majors. So, again, if you don't know the four majors, if you're a first-time listener to wrestling, you got Royal Rumble in January, you got WrestleMania in March, April, depending on when it falls. Sometimes it falls tail end of March. Sometimes it falls first week in April. Then you have SummerSlam, usually third, fourth week in August. And then you have Survivor Series, usually third, fourth week in November. So this week, there will be no pre-show from the Straight Talk panel. We're going to just enjoy the show for what it is and probably have a discussion about it the following week. I think so. Because there's going to be a lot of points that we're going to want to bring up and discuss. And we know those episodes really don't jive well, but they're informational, guys. We want to let people know exactly what the WWE is doing right and doing wrong. And a lot of the times, the WWE... They're doing it really wrong. wrong. Really wrong. <laughs> All right. So without but, further ado, let's we, get to some good. Let's get to some good information. Let's talk to. Let's talk about a gentleman who's doing everything right. Everything. Who's doing everything right on every level. His name, ladies and gentlemen, except one name thing, is Kenny Omega. One thing, the Jerry curl hair. I'm not a fan of it. I'll say it now. I, that's my only thing. He looks like a white ice cube. I don't know what's happening. But other than that, yes, absolutely, 150%, everything else is right. The Japanese anime doll that he was really trying to project. <laughs> and all of that. It was ridiculous. I love it. It was crazy, man. Um, and it's awesome, because we're going to get into that, too, of everything about um, Kenny's persona, um, how he came up with it. We're going to get into his background. We're going to get into uh, very little about the independent circuit, because all of it really just jived into what he became, into everything that went into what he became in New Japan. Um, and then that leading into uh, the Bullet Club, of course. So we're just going to hop right into it. Um, real name, Tyson Smith, born August 16th, 1983. Better known for his ring name, of course, as Kenny Omega. A Canadian-born Japanese professional wrestler. Uh, he is from yeah, he's from Winnipeg. He is currently signed to New Japan Pro Wrestling, where he is the current IWGP Heavyweight Champion in his first reign. The NJPW, in NJPW... He, is the, he was the inaugural IWGP United States Champion, one-time Intercontinental Champion, two-time Junior Heavyweight Champion, one-time Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champion, and two-time uh, never, never being um, a Japanese independent uh, corporation, uh, open weight six-man tag team champion. Yes, there is an actual in Japan, they have six-man tag team titles uh, where you're through groups of three. And uh, for the for that six man tag team title, that was where he uh, came along to to uh, meet the Young Bucks, and that's where they went on to become the six man tag team guys. Nice. Um, um, uh, he Jeez. also all these accolades. How old is he? Uh, Jesus, this guy's in his thirties. 
Um, he's only, he's, it's, it's crazy. He's also a one-time winner of the NJPW's premier tournament, the G1 Climax. That is the most, one of the most prestigious, if not the most prestigious wrestling tournament in the world to win that. Having won it in 2016 and being the first non-Japanese professional wrestler to do so. He also holds the distinction of being one of the only two professional wrestlers along with no, 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 Nobukio uh, Takata. To have ever held both IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, to yes, to have ever held the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship and IWGP Heavyweight Championship at least once each during their career. Wow. No one's ever held them simultaneously. It's but always been one or the other. And he's only in his 30s. Yes. So this is a guy that literally for, let's just call a spade a spade here, the next 20 years could be entertaining us. Well, 83, so he's 33. Now he's 35. No, 35. I'm like, what am I talking about? I'm 35. 80. I, I'm 83. So no, I, I'm, I'm like going up one note because I'm like, no, I'm 84. So that's one up one number, dummy. Two down. So yeah, it's 30, <laughs> 35. 30, totally. But 35. 35 so the, years old, man. Let's call it Let's call it the next, next decade and a half. This guy could literally rack up so much more. Yes. And it's incredible. Well, I, I'm already in. I'm all in here. So let's, let's crazy. continue. Um, all I'm going to say from here on out is by the end of this thing, everybody and their mother will find out if you don't know who Kenny Omega is, you will know he is the best wrestler in the world and you'll know why he is my favorite wrestler on the whole planet. Um, he is also known for his work as the Japanese independent circuit, appearing in promotions like uh, Dramatic Dream Team, otherwise known as abbreviation DDT, uh, where he is one time... KO'd open weight champion, three-time KO'd tag team champion, two-time KO'd six-man tag team champion, and one-time DDT extreme division champion. He has also worked for All Japan Pro Wrestling, where he is where he is a world junior heavyweight champion. He has wrestled in several North American independent promotions, including California-based Pro Wrestling Gorilla, where he was a former PWGP, PWG world champion and the winner of the 2009 Battle of Los Angeles tournament. He's also worked for Jersey All-Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and Canadian-based Premier Championship Wrestling. Um, in NW, in, 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 in uh, New Japan, Omega was the former leader of the Bullet Club. From January 2016 to January 2018, he was one-third of the Bullet Club subgroup, The Elite, along with uh, the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson with whom Omega held the never open heavyweight open weight six-man tag team titles for both of his reigns. Following his IWGP Heavyweight Championship win in June of 2018, um, Omega reunited with the Young Bucks to reform the elite, adding Omega's former tag team partner Kota Ibushi, Ibushi to the group rebranded as the Golden Elite, in reference to Ibushi's nickname Golden Star and his tag team with Ibushi as the Golden Lovers. Now, we get into his early career. He was growing up, uh, Smith attended the Triscona Collegiate Institute. It was there he first became interested in career in professional wrestling after one of his friends became tra began training at Top Rope Championship Wrestling in Winnipeg. Smith ended his initial ice hockey career plans to begin training at, under TCW promoter Bobby Ray, Bobby J, um, whom... He had previously met while working at a local IGA store. After training with Jay for a year, the 16-year-old Smith began working at TRC began working for TRCW, where over the next two years he would eventually develop his gimmick of Kenny Omega, a Hawaiian surfer. The surfer gimmick was later dropped and replaced as a gamer gimmick. 
with Smith further <laughs> further accentuating by using the Hadouken from Street Fighter. In 2001, Smith graduated from TCI and enrolled in university, but dropped out during his first year in order to fully concentrate on making a career out of professional wrestling. This leads to his character and persona and how all of that came together. And for him, as a fan of anime and video games, Smith draws a lot of inspiration from the, from them and incorporates ideas and maneuvers, entrance music, and gimmicks and concepts from both. Notable examples including uh, naming his finishing maneuver the One-Winged Angel, a, f a reference to Final Fantasy VII's Sephiroth. Uh, variations of Mega Man. By the way, that's of course the only thing that he made, he actually kept around that was from the gaming persona of his actual finishing maneuver that he currently uses called the One Winged Angel. So he never kept anything from the Surfer gimmick. No, and you'll find out why in a, in a minute. Uh, variations of Mega Man antagonist Dr. Wily's theme music and entrance themes. His ring name Kenny Omega being inspired by the character Omega Weapon from Final Fantasy. And his using the Hadouken from Street Fighter in, uh, as a signature maneuver when he was uh, when he was faced. This inspiration also extends to his appearance uh, to his appearance as his look as the Cleaner was inspired by uh, Albert Wesker from the Resident Evil games, and as well as Marion Cobra from the film Cobra. Um, so the inspiration that's from the video game, but his actual maneuvers that's there's only the one. Um, in addition to video games, Smith also has credits. Star Trek The Next Generation, and Saturday morning superhero cartoons for developing a lot of his personality. After turning heel, Smith stopped using his video game-inspired moves and music since he felt it was, a little too, it was too popular among fans and it was more part of his face persona. During his first years as, members of the, as the member of the Bullet Club, Omega was nicknamed The Cleaner. After winning the G1 Climax and having a series of, of critically acclaimed matches, he dropped the cleaner nickname and and he just strictly went with best bout machine. Now we are going back to Premier Championship Wrestling, and this is essentially where he began everything about his career and PCW. how all of that got itself started. Yes, uh, PCW. Uh, in December two thousand one, Smith joined um, PCW, um, appearing on promotion on the promotion's official launch event, headlined by Eddie Guerrero. And attended by 1,700 fans, he made a very impressive debut against his former uh, trainer, Mentalo, uh, at, at March 3rd, 2002. And Mentalo, actually, I did a little bit of research on him, and it's, it's uh, the only thing I could really dig up on him was that he's actually um, from S.H.I.E.L.D. He is uh, a villain from, uh, from the show, or from the comic book S.H.I.E.L.D., and, uh, I, which I didn't know anything about, but uh, that's where that whole thing uh, obviously stemmed from, and how we got the idea from so and especially in the wake of everything that uh, the tragic passing of Stan Lee this week um, this definitely this goes out to your boy um, goes out to all the, all the boys and girls who absolutely loved growing up watching reading everything to do with Stan Lee watching all the Marvel movies everything to do with them love you dude and really this is uh, this was a real treat to actually find this out yeah yeah rest in peace for sure Stan Lee rest you in will, peace Stan you Lee. will be sorely sorely missed Yes, and a lot of people are going to get to relive your shit for the rest of their life. You've, you've left an incredible legacy behind, buddy. Um, and now, uh, as far as as far as everything that went on with uh, Premier Championship Wrestling, just going to skip right on ahead because we started in 2001. Um, there was very, very, um, just the learning curve, if you will, going through all of that um, until we get to uh, August 2005 where Omega was attacked by Christopher Daniels. And challenged him to a match, seemingly turning heel as a result. Daniels declined the match, however, 
after losing the NWA Canadian X Division title to Raw Skills in September two, September 15th. Got no background on Raw Skills, know nothing about him. Um, Omega attended uh, the Pro Wrestling NOAA camp in Harley Races World League Wrestling in Missouri. He later lost to Keith Walker at a WLW show in Eldon, Missouri, which was later aired on Japanese television. After the match, Smith was invited for a week-long tryout by World Wrestling Entertainment. After, finding, after, after facing Johnny Devine in an action wrestling entertainment event on November 26th, Omega made his final PCW appearance after announcing his developmental deal with WWE and made his farewell speech to the crowd on December 1st, 2005. Then, of course, we go to Deep South Wrestling. Didn't go very well. Um, not good. As like, I've heard. In any way. <clears throat> in October 2005, Smith was sent to Deep South Wrestling. Um, to be evaluated by Bill DeMont and other talent scouts. As a result of his performance, which included tryout matches observed by Johnny Ace and Kenta Kibushi, Kibashi, um, of, of, uh, he was offered a developmental contract and assigned uh, to Deep South Wrestling on a full-time basis. He made his debut on October 27, 2005, losing to Mac Daddy Johnson. So... That's where I'm going to stop right there, because that sentence saying you made a debut against a guy named Mac Daddy Johnson. Let's just go ahead and, you know, basically chalk that up for a big metaphor of really how everything else really went for this guy there. Um, well, to sum it up. Are you saying that Mac Daddy Johnson wasn't a legitimate contender? Oh, I'm you, sure. you don't know that, sir. He went over on him, so that's what they, I imagine they thought that he was going to be a legitimate contender. Okay. I, I bet they were all in on Two him, Two words so for you. Mac Daddy Johnson sounds like the bastard child of one wrestler. Flash Funk. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Let's name this guy after a big cock. Like, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, the explicit rating definitely is going on this one. Explicit rating 100%. And especially, um, and, and, and by the way, also, in, uh, there's going to be some clips that are going to be played. Um, Omega is so, um, is so uh, just the, the F-bombs all over the place. So, like, super pumped for you guys to hear what this guy has to Like, here, really, get through some real promos. Um, Smith has stated in several interviews that this time spent in DSW was poor and was partially critically was, was partially was was uh, particularly critical um, of promoters DeMont and Jody Hamilton and trainer Bob Holly. The most positive experience that he had in WWE says was when he was able to train with Dave Taylor, citing that uh, before Dave Taylor came along that he didn't know any of the basics and that he got by purely on a, on on his athleticism. Smith was Smith. Uh, has claimed that WWE has since approached him several times with a contract, including in the spring of 2014 and three times in 2015, but he has turned them all down. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. And ha hence why Bill DeMond is no longer the head trainer. <laughs> so. And then, uh, you know what? And then it, it, Kenny just very simply went back to, uh, it, he asked for his release not long. It was about a year that he was in, because uh, memory was kind of foggy. I'm like, what was it, around a year? Yep. Um, it, was, it was roughly about a year that he was involved in uh, doing uh, doing his development deal with WWE. Then he asked for his release, went back to independence. He literally asked for his release so that he could go back to uh, Premier Championship Wrestling. And then went from there, did like all everything that I stated in the beginning. Went to Pro Wrestling Syndicate, Jersey Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, uh, Dynam Dr Dramatic Dream Team, 
uh, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, and then that culminates, um, of course, with um, everything that went down with New Japan and his moving to New Japan. But before his actual signing as um, Kenny Omega, as specifically just Kenny Omega, he went through it with the Golden Lovers. And just to give you guys a little bit of background on that, on January 31st, 2010, Omega made his debut in NJPW in a tag team match where he and Kota Ibushi, and Kota Ibushi, uh, just to give you just a tiny bit of background on him before I continue, um, uh, Kenny Omega has stated, aside from uh, Kazuchika Okada, uh, the saga that he had with, with him, uh, by far, um, this is the most scintillating individual you will ever watch in a wrestling ring, and that goes with the exact same quality of match that you're going to get out of Kenny Omega. So you basically, you put those two together, it's just absolute magic, and especially why they... Um, became the Golden Lovers and why they became uh, the tag team champions and why they were just what they were literally the, the biggest tag team on planet Earth aside from the Young Bucks. So, um, just to give you an idea about him, um, but uh, he and Kota Abushi defeated Gido and Jado and, uh, via disqualification. During the match, Jado suffered a legitimate neck injury from suicide dive from Omega. On June 1st, Omega entered New Japan's two week long 2010 Best of the Super Juniors tournament. Where he finished fourth in his block, where he finished fourth in his block with four victories over the seven matches, um, thus failing to advance in the semifinals of the tournament. After defeating Ryu, Ryusuke, oh yeah, Ryusuke Taguchi um, at a DDT show in August 20, on August 29, 2010, Omega was granted a shot at the tag team partner Prince Devitt's IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. On September 3rd, and of course, Prince Devitt, being everybody that we know today, Finn Balor. On September 3rd, um, Omega made his return to New Japan, but was defeated by Devitt in the title match. On October 11th, at Destruction 2010, Omega and Okoda Abuchi defeated Devitt and Taguchi, uh, the, tag, the, the team known collectively as Apollo 55, to win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. And on, Sexy. And, yeah, and on November 14th, the Golden Lovers made their first successful title defense, defeating Devitt and Taguchi at the DDT show. At a DDT show to set up the grudge match for the title uh, for the titles with the 2010 Super J Tag League winners, which were which happened to be Guido and Jado once again. Um, and now we get into just to just to go over just that little bit of background from uh, the Golden Lovers that went from 2010 to uh, 2014. And then October 3rd, 2014, New Japan held a press conference to announce that Kenny Omega had decided to sign with the promotion once his DDT contract had expired on October 26th. Omega made his debut under the New Japan contract under his New Japan contract on November 8th at Power Struggle, where despite having dismissed the idea of joining the villainous foreigner stable the Bullet Club at his at a signing press conference claiming that he did not consider himself a, a gaijin. And a gaijin is uh, actually... Um, a, Isn't that a, the Japanese word for white boy? It's, it's very derogatory. It's not even... It's not... Yeah, it's, it's white boy, but it's basically like just foreigner in general. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's based off two... It, it's split up into two words. Gai, G-A-I, 
meaning outside, and J-I-N, meaning person, jin, meaning person. So it's just an outside person is a Japanese word for foreigners and just basically anybody non-Japanese. So just really didn't want to get confused with any of that and, and didn't well, really... Thank God I'm not a gaijin. Yeah, just really... You are completely, 100%, but and, I'm not. And I've heard them even talk in interviews. Like, they were really honestly really worried about, like, the whole Bullet Club being basically just castrated and considered, like, completely in, in Japan for just being white and the fact that, like, I don't want to be affiliated with this and I don't want to... I'm here in Japan and I want to adapt to their culture and I don't want to make it seem like the white guys are coming in and taking everything over. So there was a lot of really, like, they were feeling a lot of heat coming out of that. Um, but Omega was revealed as the newest member of the stable, setting his sights on the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Omega dubbed himself the cleaner, claiming that he lied at the press conference and that he was only interested in money and the title. As part of his new villainous persona, Omega, who is fluent in Japanese, stopped talking in Japanese and instead did his interviews in English. Behind the scenes, Omega was told that his otaku... Uh, is otaku gimmick and essentially that just meaning uh, Japanese gamer was too bubbly for uh, the Bullet Club which led to him adopting the cleaner nickname which was intended to be a reference to people who clean up crime scenes. Initially Omega, Omega played the role straight but after repeatedly having to explain the character when people thought he was portraying an actual janitor he began imp incorporating comedy to his gimmick and started ca coming out from, for his matches with a mop and a broom. <laughs> On January 4th, 2015, at Wrestle Kingdom 9 in the Tokyo Dome, Omega wrestled his first match as a member of the Bullet Club, defeating Ryosuke Taguchi to win the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship for the first time. Omega's first title defense took place on February 11th at, new at the New Beginnings in Osaka, where he defeated Taguchi in a rematch. During the following months, he, was, he also successfully defended the title against Mascara Dorada in, in, in Invasion Attack 2015 and Alex Shelley at, wrestle, at Wrestling Dontaku 2015. On July 5th in Dominion 7.5 in Osaka Joe Hall, Omega lost the title to the winner of the 2015 Best of the Super Juniors, Kushida. In, on, September two, on September 23rd at Destruction in Okayama, Omega regained the title from Koshida, following outside interference from the Bullet Club stablemate, Carl Anderson. <laughs> They're doing amazing things these days. <laughs> he made... Nerd! Made his, nerd! He made his first successful title defense on October 12th at the King of the Pro Wrestling against Matt Siddell. On, on January 4th, 2016, at Wrestle Kingdom 10 and in Tokyo Dome, Omega lost the title back to Koshida. The following day, Omega teamed with Bullet Club leader AJ Styles to defeat IWGP Intercontinental Champion Shinsuke Nakamura and Yoshihashi in a tag team match, pinning Nakamura for the win. After the match, Bullet Club turned on Styles, with Omega taking over leadership of the stable and declaring that he was no longer a junior heavyweight by challenging Nakamura for the title match, for, for a title match. The match, however, never came to fruition as Nakamura announced his departure from NJ NJPW. Of course, as we all know, he immediately went to uh, NXT. Uh, same with, and that was his, was AJ Styles' uh, turf, and he went off to do exactly what we just talked about at the beginning of the show, <laughs> with the promotion stripping him of the IW, uh, with uh, the promotion stripping him of the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. That being Nakamura. Afterwards, Omega began using the variation of Nakamura's. 
Um, Kinshasa knee strike, as we know it today, has one of the most well-known and popular moves of his own, dubbing it the V-Trigger, that he still uses that to this very day, and actually actually probably hits about 15 of them in every single one of his matches. It's literally the point where when people parody his matches, it's like, oh, cool, um, arm bar, V-Trigger, uh, <laughs> leg drop, V-Trigger, and it's just literally like, it's just... Okay, so we're going to do a bunch of stuff and then like 15 V-Triggers and it's over. But uh, yeah. Uh, so that's much like uh, Brock Lesnar with the F5s. Essentially. F5. F5. Essentially. Or like Roman Reigns with the, what, what's it called? The, um, the, 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 the Superman, Superman punch. punch. Just Superman Punch, Superman Punch, Superman Punch. You Simone may as well drop. just chalk that up as V-Trigger for this guy. Drop. And Simone Drop. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. Alright, so you know what, let's uh, let's get to, let's actually play that clip right now. I've, I've actually got a clip up here of AJ Styles when he was turfed out of the Bullet Club and uh, Kenny Omega's um, a, initial promo that he cut on AJ Styles after beating the crap out of him. Alright, here we go. Kicking AJ Styles square in the face with a double super kick party. And now all of the members of the Bullet Club standing around. Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, I forget who's on the end. And all three of them, all six of them standing there. And now they all embrace and they take in Kenny Omega as their new leader. You can't be surprised. You at home, you better not be surprised. You had this coming, AJ. We gave you the big matches. We gave you the big pay-per-views. We made you a star. We paid you like a star. While I struggled, while I starved, forcing myself to be a junior, everybody called you a leader. Everybody called you the boss. Well, AJ, if you were the boss, I'm just gonna say it. You have now been fired. This is your severance package, AJ. And from here on in, you guys know it. I am not a junior. I will not challenge Kushida. Shin Su K. Nakamura. Oh. <laughs> oh. I'm coming for you. And I'm coming for your title. Because the Bullet Club, we rule the world. The elite, we rule the world. Because 
because Lincoln is for life except for AJ Styles. Goodbye and good night. Wow, Kenny Omega declaring his intention to move up into the heavy. Wow. That sounds like a boss if I've ever heard one. <laughs> kind of. Kind of hurtful. Right? Kind of kind of upsetting right now. I mean, I'm an AJ Styles guy. I always have been. And I do remember that moment. <clears throat> I don't like it then. I don't like, I don't like it now. Oh, goodness. <clears throat> then you're going to absolutely hate the thing that I'm going to be pulling up next. Because this is the... This, oh. is, this was just a fun extra thing that I really wanted to play. Because this, uh, this, was, um, this was a really, really, really epic... Um, turfing and bringing in. This was absolutely amazing the way that they did this. It was very classy on on Adam's Cole part um, for for taking part in this and the in um, the awesome ass kicking of the way that it was it was done and how that the, this whole thing played out. Much the same as the way that it was very well executed with AJ Styles. It was just on another level of bringing in Marty Skrull of taking out uh, taking out Adam Cole and then bringing in Marty Skrull the villain. So. Um, if you want, let's, let's play that one up. And uh, I don't think you want to. That's the best part. Is I'm, I'm explaining this, and it's like, I don't even want to. I don't want to play it. I don't want to play this. I saw it when I had to put these clips together earlier before the show when you sent it to me, and I don't want to play it. You're doing this to torture me. First you throw, because I'm an AJ Styles guy, and now you know I've always been about Adam Cole, baby. <laughs> okay? And this this is torture. I'm going to play it, but under protest. All right. Mom, I'm going to play it. All right. Here we go. I love this clip because I hate Bebe. That's the one of the stupidest you can, gimmicks you can ever. Hate, you can hate it all you want, but you can't hate the Undisputed Era. Oh, I don't hate the Undisputed Era. I just hate when people say... I don't care who says it. I hate when people say Bebe. That's the same thing as saying... That's the same thing as girls calling your boyfriend Bay. B-A-E. That's not a real word. Stop saying that. But that's just me, though. Isn't it like before all everything or something? Or? Is it, yeah, it's like some really dumb meaning behind that. I'm just like, that's not a word. And it's like you people are just... It's like you 14-year-old people are just learning to talk. Otherwise, you would just you wouldn't make up words like that. Bacon always every day, maybe. Uh, I think I think so. I think it's bacon always every day. I'm playing the clip of Adam Cole. Jesus. Lights out here. from the crowd thank you Adam thank you Adam well Adam you see I feel like I have to send my special thanks too because let's face it your tenure in Bullet Club your tenure in professional wrestling has been long has been fruitful has been storied but just like all fairy tales, Adam. There has to be a hero. And there has to be a villain. 
consider yourself officially fired. What in the world did we just see? Omega watching this live somewhere? Where is he? We're still pitch black here in New York City. I have no idea what's going on right now. Somebody turn the lights back on. Scrolls umbrella that he is now a member of the Bullet Club. Double super kick party to Adam Cole. As they double super kicked him all the way to NXT. We can only assume. Also, another clip I was well aware of. As much as I love Adam Cole, I love Marty Scroll more. <laughs> so I'm okay with it. <laughs> That's why I thought I'm like I, I I think I'll get away with this because of that. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember I remember seeing that. I remember watching that the day after it happened, and um, it was a pretty cool moment. It was a pretty cool moment. But I was also excited because I knew Adam Cole was coming to NXT, and yes. I I could get to see a little bit more of him because. Unfortunately, unless you have like an Android box or you have Fight, you don't get to see much of Ring of Honor. So I had only got to see snippets here and there, but I had been lucky enough to get glimpses of Marty Scroll and how fantastic he was, his character work, the whole nine yards. Yeah. But uh, I was intrigued to see more of Adam Cole, and uh, sure enough, when he brought Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish with him, I mean, it was just, it was a slam dunk. Yeah. And, I, I, and that's why the Undisputed Era has stayed down in NXT, because there's just no room. For them up above. And if they come up above, they'll get already oversaturated in an oversaturated locker room. They won't be used properly, and that's why I'm glad Triple H is taking his time and really letting the storylines build. Just like with Gargano and Tommaso. These are all guys that you know are going to come up eventually. And like I said, these are the guys that really, if you think about it, if the Bullet Club ever invades, kind of like the idea that we touched on a couple episodes ago, if the Bullet Club ever shows up, right there is your WWE team. Undisputed Era, Ciampa, and Gargano. Well, we those could be the five guys to actually take it to the Bullet Club. Well, and then there's like all the guys that are on the roster that were from the Bullet Club. Like all the guys on the main roster, like AJ Styles and Finn Balor and Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson and like all of them that are on the main roster. I'll give you AJ Styles and maybe Finn Balor, but Anderson and Gallows, because they're so comfortable now and they're older. I don't see them putting up much of a fight. They would if they were to ever go into a tag team match with the Young Bucks now. I don't think they could hang like they could before. No, but they were the basically the leaders of. People forget that actually Carl Anderson and and Luke Gallows were the leaders of the Bullet Club before they left. They were the guys that were the, They were the real like whatever AJ Styles was doing. Um, he wasn't talking. Carl Anderson was. He was the mouthpiece of of everything to do with you even if even if they didn't fight they would be the guys to be on the front lines screaming at the other guys saying how much of a better deal they got and how much more money they're making and and all this stuff i'm just seeing this incredible thing like everything that you just said i see that exact same thing happen or happening only you literally take like 
the NXT guys add the main roster guys. You have a war of like all these old Bullet Club guys with the new with the, the elite guys that have now broken off to become the elite. And you'll actually and you, and the best part is we'll actually find out um, at the end of the story. I saved it until the very end of just like what all of this is. What is the Bullet Club? Because that's like what people actually really want to know. They're actually really confused. To this day of like it's the NWO at this point. It's literally to the point of the NWO. It's so But it's actually an NWO that's reinvented itself properly every single time. Yes, they did they did every single time, only up until recently, where it was just the where like even the elite guys are just like, What's going on here? Like what is this? Like what's what we don't we don't even understand this anymore and and why the hell you guys are doing what you're doing. Um and this will actually that that will tie into the very end of the story, which is essentially um, everything to do with uh, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and uh, where where Kenny went pretty much after um, um, everything that went down with... Well, uh, actually, there's one more clip that we can play right here, which is um, the Kazuchika Okada. Um, but in actuality, the way that we heard Kenny talk, it's pretty much in the exact same context. He's very in that... Um, he, he's very much in that villain mode, like when you listen to him talk. Like, he just sounds like your modern-day, like, superhero villain. Yeah, no, that, that whole clip, like I said, that clip that you just played, that was a, a perfect, perfect way to cut a promo. Yeah. Perfect way to literally segue perfectly into revealing Marty Scroll. Yeah. For literally only a five seconds, and then have the lights go black for literally a full minute, almost. Yeah. To have them come up, because Scroll obviously they had to give Scroll time to come from the back. Totally. Down the ramp. Totally. Get into the ring. So I get why they did it. But the, 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 also the great part about it was is is, is is much coming from a filmmaking mind is the anticipation. Yeah. You know you know that they're there. As a wrestling fan, you know they're there. They're not halfway across the world. That clip wasn't cut via satellite. Kenny was in the building. So was Marty. Yeah. It was just inevitability. Hotel room, actually, down the road. Hotel room down the road, cut earlier in the day. Yeah. Yes. Cut, cut earlier Mar- in the day. But Marty Scroll was there because... From what I understand, Kenny, I think Kenny had to fly right out that day, so it was just quick. I'll cut yes. the promo, and then I'm going to have Marty come in and do the work. I so, think they were fil- they were literally filming being the elite, filming that, and then like <clears throat> Kenny had to go off and go do the things that he was doing. So yeah, insane. But it's pretty cool that a bullet club bullet club is not is not very domesticated. It's yeah. not just Japan. It's not just uh, in the Indies. It's very, very universal. To the point where we discussed it a few weeks ago when we were talking about the house and why the house always wins and why the Bullet Club is still there. You literally walk into any Hot Topic and the only shirts they always have fully stocked are the Bullet Club shirts. The Elite, the Young Bucks, the Villain. All they have those shirts fully stocked all the time. Yeah. If you want anything else, they never get it. Because when they do, they get five or six shirts and they, those ones sell out quick. But the one shirt that they consistently keep in on a regular basis, because they're not stupid, they're in the business of making money just like everybody else is, is the Bullet Club shirts. The yeah. Bullet Club shirts, all of them. From the villain, any of them. They're all there. Yeah. All there. To the point where, um, uh, you know what, I might go to Hot Topic tomorrow and get myself a villain shirt. Because I've worn one for a while and I've just been too lazy to get off my ass and go. I would. So, but yeah, they're available all the time. And they're the only ones that are consistently in stock. And that's pretty amazing when you think about it. That the indie, an indie t-shirt is literally available at a clothing store in stock on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Whereas the something like WWE, who easily mass produces way more shirts than these guys possibly can, yet still can't keep their shirts in stock. Or they don't send them out quick enough. It's just a mind boggle. It really is. It, it shows that you know these guys care a little bit more about the fans than the big corporate conglomerate does. 
right? Yeah, and if you actually look at the kind of the hype of the, it's it's pretty amazing how iconic actually the Bullet Club shirt has become at this point. That, that it's only in a rare group of shirts that you can talk about this of Austin three sixteen, NWO. Like it's really like only these very small groups. This this unbelievably like really elite group of, of t-shirts that you can really talk yeah, about. Yeah, much like the and, Rock shirt, boots to asses, all those yeah, kind of things. Like all those of it. those shirts are cemented in wrestling royalty. It'll be wrestling royalty forever. It's just that bullet club. Is all you got to do is just take anybody's name now and just tag that the the three the the, the whatever the little the three little flags at the on the on the side of the arm, and it's like that's all of a sudden it just change somebody's life forever and that's how literally iconic this shirt has actually become the same as when you throw an nwo shirt on and it's a shirt that literally even if you're not a wrestling fan people when they see you they'll compliment you on the shirt like hey man that's a great shirt what is that right it's wrestling bro oh is that is that wwe oh no 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 don't don't you dare disrespect the shirt right now this is not wwe this is literally hard nose hard hitting real Putting your body on the line, wrestling. Yeah. Not beautifully choreographed athleticism, real boots to asses. Yeah. So show me some damn respect before I, I give you a knuckle sandwich. Anyways, <laughs> let's play this clip right now. Do you want to set this one up? Actually, yeah. You know what? Uh, I, I was debating back and forth whether or not to play it because it was a, a little lengthy, but at the same time, you really get a chance to um, check out um, um, Kenny Omega's persona going into um, the Kazuchika. Okada Saga. This is actually from Kazuchika Okada and uh, Kenny Omega 2. Um, but it was just lengthy enough of that, that kind of promo that it really just summed up the entirety of their three matches that they had pretty much and um, gave everybody really great insight as to just like what it would be like when Kenny finally did win the title and finally did beat, Kazu- beat Kazuchika Okada and dethrone him of the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Nice. I think we're going to play this one for about three, three and a half minutes, right? Yes. All right, here we go, guys. Enjoy this one. It's my greatest tool. Okada doesn't have one. If you're thinking it's just going to be Tokyo Dome Part 2, you are wrong. This is a complete different Kenny Omega. And I want to do it with you, Okada, at 100%. Because I don't want to hear any excuses. All of you on Osaka. All of you watching around the world. You're free to make a choice. Okada. Okay. And today we have some... Are we still playing it or? Yeah. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. Questions yeah. for you. So the first one. Mm-hmm. While this may be the rematch that the world has been waiting for, uh, was the timing earlier than you expected? Of course the timing was earlier than I expected. Usually, when you're building towards a title match, there has to be a clear-cut number one contender. What in the hell made me the number one contender? I had the greatest match of all time. Yes, it was a work of art, a masterpiece, a legendary match. Everyone knows this. Everyone knows that it was due to my handiwork. However, I lost the match. Do I deserve a rematch because I lost a great match? Maybe. I don't think I did. And so, through due diligence, I came back 
And I justified, or wanted to justify, the number one contendership by winning the New Japan Cup. What happened? I lost the first round. Great match, again, but just came up a little short. I avenged that loss by defeating the man that beat me, Ishii, in the semifinal at Fukuoka. Does that make me the number one contender? No. Because Ishii didn't even go to the finals. He didn't win, he didn't go to the finals, he lost in the semis. So what does that make me, really? Why did Okada choose me? I've stayed up many a night, wandering to the lords up above, thinking to the stars. Why did you choose me, Okada? And then I just watched the show back. I watched Fukuoka, and I just listened. I listened to how the people reacted to me, and then I listened to how the people reacted to you. People don't care anymore about Jiro Kata. They're finally catching on. They're finally waking up from this bad dream that has been a promotional blitz to push Kazuchika Okada down everyone's motherfucking throats. That's right. New Japan would have you believe that you are a hero, that you are an inspiration, that you are what every Japanese man and woman should aspire to be. And what is that exactly? Hmm? Should aspire to be rich? Should aspire to be famous? When at all costs? Could it be that the person that comes out Bets his life, gives his heart, and gives his soul every time he's in the ring for the fans, for his friends, for his family. Maybe that really is the person that you want to cheer for. Nice. Yeah, nice. Got super chills on that one. That's uh, definitely good. Sorry for stopping the clip in the middle there, folks. I wasn't sure because I heard the lady talking and I was like, oh, is that an ad or something? I don't want to be caught, you know, pants down like we've been in the past before, you know what I mean? No, it's, a, it's it, you know what, it's awesome. It's, a, it's, it's, it's just that's, that's really a lot of what, because that clip literally goes on for about 20 minutes of them, of this, uh, this, uh, this journalist uh, for New Japan that's, or, or interviewer or whatever it is that, that's sitting there and asking him questions just about the match, but he's just answering perfectly in character it's really like it's almost purposely set up that way of the way uh, any news reporter would just sit and ask you a normal question but he's answering it in this amazingly persona way that really doesn't it, it, it it's not like anything it's not like any kind of clips that I'm, I'm used to watching of people conducting themselves in promos of just trying to get through the promo seeing the same stuff over and over again especially when you get into um uh, jesus when you start getting into um, when, when you start getting into anybody on the WWE main roster that really has anything to do with outside of it, why talking smack, literally, <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, why talking smack, why talking raw, why all that stuff got canceled because of the fact that nobody could do anything outside of they're just doing it in the ring and having somebody write down stuff for you and just say it in the ring and you know, stuff like that, and hopefully just say it exactly the way that we wrote it for you, kind of thing, where it's just like, nope, that's Kenny Omega, 150,000%. 
Yeah, no, he, he he proves why he literally is the best, and you know totally. what? Now it, it's kind of a it's kind of full circle for him, right? Because you mentioned that over the past three years, WWE has approached him five times, and all five times he said no. Yeah, and that's the reason why. Yeah, he has full creative control on his answers, on his persona, on when to turn it off, when to turn it on, and he doesn't have to probably do near as much outside of wrestling there that he ha- would have to hear literally make a wish all this stuff i'm sure he does charity events and stuff over there too totally. but it's probably a very very smaller scale because at the end of the day he's such an icon and such a legend over there why would you want to leave a place where you literally are a god among men yeah and you're not on tv all the time you don't have to defend your title every single week you don't have to like go out of the way to like you're not doing these things when you're a champion over there your title is defended in prestige matches. It's not, and the buildup for them is like UFC caliber. Like it's, yeah, like it's, they three, don't, it's a three, four month build. Yeah. Press conferences, storyline takes, all that kind of stuff until they get in the ring. And that's why they can go yeah. 45, 46, 65 minute long matches because they are not doing it every single day. Exactly. And that's why UFC was so big early on. Now they do it once a month and it's not exciting anymore. But before, where they were doing it once every two to three months, there was a build there. Yeah. Now you're doing it once a month. You're just oversaturating, much like WWE. Last year was horrible for wrestling in, in, in WWE-wise because they literally had two pay-per-views a month. Yeah. Sometimes just, you forgot. You were like, oh, man, there's one coming up two weeks from now? This is brutal. It's just too much. And then you start getting, you start seeing what, what that type of culture is really like and the way that they 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 conduct themselves as far as you know big fight feel and really you know building it up for a while you even heard in the clip that okada was the one who actually they they wrote it in the script that okada was the one that was going to make kenny he was going to tell kenny that you're i'm i'm challenging you for my title that like he the champion is challenging the challenger in this sense because you're the best and i'm looking at you and you're the best and you're the only one i see that can challenge me for my title and that kind of thing when it's like a champion over there is like it's hard to take his title. Like it's it's really difficult, which is genuinely the way that it was always built in the same way that it was built in WWE. They literally had that formula. That's the way that it was. When you were a champion before, if you were Hogan, no one's taken the title off you for a long time. If you were, you know, and Bruno if you Sam were Rick Flair, that, right? Four, four, was it three years straight yeah. as champion? Yeah, it's boring to a lot of people, but it's true. If you're a real champion like that, it should be hard to take their take that person's title from them. It really, genuinely should. And that's what came down to the Kenny Omega saga when it came down to um, Omega versus Okada three. Uh, that clip that we just played that was from Okada two, but um, that, like I said, just kind of summed up. Um, the sheer brilliance of just the entirety of, of, of that saga that they had together. Uh, but it was on uh, February 28th on Honor Rising Japan. Uh, the Golden Lovers won their return match as a team against Cody Rhodes and Marty Skrull. After the match, Omega and Ibushi were confronted by the Young Bucks and, and challenged uh, to a match at Strong Style Evolved on March 25th where the Golden Lovers won. And I'm just giving you a little bit of background on uh, just the, just with the Golden Lovers in general, but more so on it's a background on Cody because of it, while the championship was being changed hands, also simultaneously, there was the big, huge scuffle that was going on with Cody Rhodes and with, uh, with Kenny Omega of who was the actual leader of the Bullet Club. And that was as real as it got at that point of whatever storyline, as far as storylines are concerned. 
Um, Omega and Ibushi would go on to lose to Cody and Hangman Page at Sakura Genesis on April 5th. On, but on April 7th at uh, Supercard of Honor 12, Omega was defeated by Cody. Omega, which would set them up for what is about to happen here. Omega would, however, defeat Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship at Dominion 6.9 in Osaka Joe Hall with a no time limit. Two out of three falls. And became the first Canadian wrestler to win the title in the process. Immediately after that match... Omega reconciled his friendship with the Young Bucks and in a post-match press conference formed a new stable with the Young Bucks and Ibushi called the Golden Elite while still claiming to be the leader of the Bullet Club. The conflict with Cody was settled when he retained the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Cody at, um, at the G1 Special in, in San Francisco on July 7th. However, after the match, Bullet Club members Tama Tonga uh, Tonga Loa and King Haku came out to seemingly celebrate with Omega and the Young Bucks only to attack the elite as well as the other Bullet Club members who came to their aid, declaring themselves the BC Firing Squad as well as the real Bullet Club. From January, from July 14th to August 12th, Omega competed in the 2018 G1 Climax, finishing with a record of six wins and three losses with a loss against Kota Ibushi, costing him a spot in the finals. Omega had two title defenses at Destruction, had two more defenses at uh, Destruction where he defeated to, to, Tomohiro Ishii and at, and at the King of Pro Wrestling 2018 where he defeated Cody and Kota, Kota Ibushi in a three-way match. <laughs> Bottom line, three-way. yeah, in a three-way, the Golden Lovers were in a three-way. Um, <laughs> this culminates the entirety of all of this story that I have just told all of you, specifically with everything to do with the Bullet Club, specifically with everything to do with the Bullet Club being so up and down, um, and specifically how much the Bullet Club has definitely become the NWO. The reason for um, that has been very specific to everybody in the elite, so much so that on October 30th, 2018... Um, uh, on, Literally two weeks ago. Yep, and this was on Talk is Jericho, which was a podcast I listened to almost all. I listened to about three quarters of it. Um, truly, truly fascinating. You ever get a chance, do definitely listen to that. But it's Talk is Jericho that was direct from the Chris Jericho cruise when they did Alpha versus Omega for the first time and probably only time that you're ever going to see that match. It's definitely available for streaming. I've watched it, watched the hell out of it, and it's amazing, especially Chris Jericho dressing up as a member of the Young Bucks. It's absolutely incredible. But um, on October 3rd, like I said, October 30th, on this Talk is Jericho episode on the Chris Jericho cruise, Matt Jackson did in fact confirm, listen to it, confirmed it, that Omega, Cody Rhodes, Marty Skrull, and Adam Page are now officially in the elite. In addition... What this actually, but people are asking like, okay, what the hell does this mean though? You already said that. The Elite, Bullet Club, all that stuff. Bottom line, the Elite have left the Bullet Club, ending the civil war between the Bullet Club OGs and the Elite. They are literally, there is no more Bullet Club with any of these guys. They are just called the Elite. And they're literally going forward with that as they've repackaged themselves. They've already packaged themselves as that, but it was... A side gig. It was a sub-package thing. Yeah, it was like created. Bullet Club villains. Yep. Bullet Club Young Bucks. Bullet Club, you know, Kenny Omega. You you had all these subsidiaries yep. under this one umbrella. And now guess who makes no all more. the money off Bullet Club? Mm, I want to say... New Japan. Really? New Japan makes all the money off of it. Get, um, 
uh, Gato, uh, Gito, Gato, uh, the 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 um, head honcho yeah. at uh, at New Japan. Uh, he is the creator of the Bullet Club. He's the Eric Bischoff, if you will, of the NWO. Where it was his creation. Every member that has ever come into the Bullet Club, you can all find that out. Also, that is also um, totally, totally. Dis- they, they, they they pulled no punches on this episode of Talk Is Jericho of explaining all of this. Um, where uh, essentially um, all of the money goes to New Japan, and they see very little of it. But every single T-shirt, of course, that they create, which is the Elite, they make all of the money off of it. So therefore. Why the hell would you want to stick with something where you're making very little money off of it? It's all going to them. You're putting in all the work when in actuality, let's do our thing because our thing's working. So it made a lot of sense when they finally gave up the gab on that and just really finally just brought that to light of like, okay, it really seems like this, but so we don't know. So is this whole thing over merch? Um, is this whole civil war created to end the Bullet Club and kill it? No. To bring the, like a rising of the Phoenix to bring the elite out? No. It was made for specifically. Um, this thing was made specific. Was done specifically because um, the Bullet Club has literally turned into. It's always been this messed up. It's been this messed up since uh, since Prince Devin. No, I know, I know, and, I know. But what I'm saying is, is that you, you mentioned how the head honcho of New Japan gets all the money. So was this their way of like a closed door conversation of like, hey, let's start a civil war, let's give them a little bit more income, then we all disband from the Bullet Club. And we become the elite, and we control everything. Nope. This just seems like a thing. This really genuinely seems like a thing where all they decided to do was the Bullet Club is too oversaturated. We made it. We made it go longer than the NWO, specifically because of the fact that okay, it went longer than the NWO. The shirts are still running strong. Everybody's membership is really great. Everybody's putting on great. And the best part is. What made it last the longest is everybody's putting on great matches. Right. It's not like the NWO where it was like, okay, you guys talk really well, but your matches are shit. Like, they're Kevin, just Kevin garbage. Getting, getting tased and fucking falling down on his back. And <sighs> just the worst. All the nonsense like, that went on there. This is like Hogan and Goldberg or Hogan and Sting. Like, these are the only matches I can go back and think to myself that I liked the NWO at the time. But, like... This, I'm a Sting I, fan, I, and I go back and watch Hogan versus Sting, and I'm like, that. that and it, and it, yeah, it even then, I, and it's only the nostalgia of thinking about that year and thinking about like all that stuff. Like I was, I was right there. I was in the thick of it, so it was like it was really cool to go. But it's cool to go back and relive that stuff. But they're not having these kinds of matches that these guys are. That they're going out. They, they really are. But the, they really are the elite. But the thing is, where they separated the elite by taking literally the elite of those. The, of, of that roster of New Japan, so break down Ring of Honor, bring up, break down who's, who's in the Elite again for me. You got Kenny, you got Marty, you got Cody. Who yep. else is in the Elite? Kenny, Marty, Cody, uh, Young Bucks, Hangman. Hangman oh, Page. Hangman's in, Hangman Page is in the Elite too. That's intriguing. Yeah. yeah. That's intriguing. I like it. Yeah, they made him a full-time member about, uh, I think it was like six months ago or something like that. They got him on the, got him on Being the Elite. He was, he was on Being the Elite for a couple episodes and then just turned out to be like a, like uh, anybody else that they just kind of brought in and then like holy crap you're actually really funny and you actually have really good acting chops and you actually know what you're doing and like okay cool we we don't need to we don't need to coach you in any way you're hilarious and awesome and like you you look wicked go <laughs> yeah he's good he's no Adam Cole but he's good no and that's the thing is like I've always been up and down with with Hangman I've never really been like oh, I I totally it's like it's always been like this thing where which one Hangman of these looks is like, not like Hangman the looks other. like Hulk Hogan and Diamond Dallas Page got together for a one night stand and made a baby right and then even <laughs> even even like a three way with Kenny Omega you can even put Kenny in there 
Seriously. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. But bottom line is, um, that is the culmination to, uh, and it was really cool to find that out only a couple of weeks ago, um, was the fact that this whole thing now has become, okay, they're taking over the world. After All In, I'm pretty sure that was that was the thing. Was I'm pretty sure well, we mentioned that, right? All In was, all was of, literally all after All putting, In was conducted. Yeah, because all the money that they made, how well it was done for an independent pay-per-view to go out with the chops they did. The set looked great. The matches were fantastic. Yeah. How could you not? Yeah. How could you not sit there and be like, hey, if we could fill a 10,000-seat arena, imagine. Yeah, exactly. What, imagine what we could do. And then there was something we also shared on the page earlier. Uh, about three weeks ago, I shared it. It was an article on Jim Ross, good old JR, yeah. and Chris Jericho having a lot of closed-door conversations on potentially starting up a brand-new promotion. Yeah. And also, from what I've heard, is that these two are seriously looking at buying out TNA. Possibly. Breaking it down, selling the pieces, releasing what doesn't work, therefore giving the elite a segue, more importantly giving Kenny Omega a segue, back to North America. He'll never leave Japan... He'll never sign with WWE, but just imagine if you cross promote with New Japan and you have the IGWP champion cross branded. Yeah, and much, that's what we're going like, Much like they're trying to do now with Lesnar, yep. with the UFC and the Universal Championship. Oh, what they've done with Lesnar—that's that's that's over. Of what they what they've done with like UFC and other cross. Well, they, they, they haven't they haven't done it gone. yet because he hasn't won the UFC heavyweight championship. No, but what I'm saying is they're going to like it's just obvious of like where they're going and how they're cross branding and how they're like it's yeah, it's cut so Cormier obvious. Out, yeah, Cormier, Cormier, I think will fucking take it to him. Well, excuse my language. Oh, I'm just talking about cross branding. I'm talking about just bringing oh, you the belt yeah. over and just doing all that stuff. Like, yeah, that's, but this it's, this is where you could actually we would actually see it for the first time because I see I see Kenny Omega having a better shot of whatever Jericho because now Jericho has that relationship with Kenny as an in with Kenny. You add Jr. For the broadcasting and the scouting knowledge. You have Jericho for the entertainment and the storyline. You've yeah. got premium package right there. And those two have a lot of money between the two of them. Yeah. That they could literally put it in and make a serious run. Yeah. And it's the, and it's one it's one kind of promotion. If it does come to fruition, it's one kind of promotion that could literally be in the black within the first year. It wouldn't be losing money. It wouldn't be hemorrhaging funds. Because everything comes with. Okay, here, we got the sets. We got the stage. We got the lights. We got the people. We got the cameras. We got the TV contract. Kenny, come in. We're going to have a tournament. You're going to win it. Boom. Dual champion. Yeah. It makes all kinds of sense. And just having... And Jericho's the one who's... Think about who's feeding us all the information. Talk is Jericho. You just mentioned the podcast. Who do they feed the information through? Jericho. Who's having backdoor conversations with Jim Ross? Jericho. Well, who's looking at buying TNA outright from underneath Vince McMahon? Jericho. Everything centers around Jericho. Everything centers around Jericho, but he's in constant contact with Vince McMahon. He just stated that on Kevin on the, the on the he podcast is. that he just had with Kevin Kelly. Actually, he just had that recently. He, he that, is, but why is he having ago. backdoor conversations with Jr. Then behind closed door conversations of things that may be happening. This new possible. I think that this may all be one of your little kfab ideas. Run with me on this for a second. Totally. Think about the kfab ideas that we talked about. Pulling behind the curtain. You want to get Kenny. Kenny doesn't like WWE. Kenny had a bad experience WWE. Deep South Wrestling. Didn't work out well. Horrible. Yeah, yeah. You send Jericho over. Sure. Green light. Have a great match. 
get him in, get in his ear. Now all of a sudden, Jr. and 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 Jericho maybe buying a wrestling promotion, maybe buying TNA outright from under Vince McMahon. Who's in with Kenny? Jericho. How does Vince McMahon? How did Kenny comes first time? Boom. Who's waiting in his dressing room? Vince McMahon. All I'm saying is that this is a segue. All of this segue for Vince McMahon to get five minutes with Kenny Omega. Yeah, I guarantee he's not going to get Kenny Omega. Ever. He won't get him, ever. but he'll get the five minutes. He'll never get Kenny Omega. He may never get him. But hey, money talks, bro. Money talks. Money talks. And if Vince McMahon wanted a meeting with Kenny Omega, he could walk right into his office and he'd walk into his house and literally be like, I'm having a meeting with you right now because I'm Vince McMahon. He would, but he, he can do anything Kenny, he wants. Kenny Omega will be there like, no, I'm not interested. Yeah. He's already turned down. He's already refused meetings. All right. All I'm saying is if if he gets, if, if Jericho segues and it gets into it, there's a potential possibility that not to get Kenny to come full time, but to get that crossover we've been itching to see. Because it's I, there. The makings of it are there. And how do you get the elite to make so much more money? You get them on that international camera time. Totally. Because Vince McMahon has the global camera appeal. Totally. And I He's in 181 we, countries. Yeah, and I remember we talked about that. I remember we, we talked about that. What was it, last week or something like that? We or talked about it literally about a week or two yeah, ago. Yeah, it was about a week or but two ago. It, I, now I'm starting to see the pieces. And they're falling perfectly into place. For this whole thing to be happening. Yep. Just like I said last week. You did say it last week. But all I'm saying is that now I see everything centered. I think all I'm saying is I think Jericho was a scapegoat. Yeah, yeah. He was sent in by Vince McMahon because he's right up McMahon's ass. And now all these things are like, oh, come my cruise. Let's have a great match. Let's do this. Let's do that. Come my podcast. Talk to people. Let people know about the elite. It's branded. It's crossing. Boom. Because Cody still has a great relationship with Vince McMahon too. Yeah. So... It's, if you have all these people around you with great relationship with Vince McMahon, why, why would now be the perfect time to give the guy five minutes? Is all I'm saying. You did say it last week, but all I'm saying is now it actually physically... It, what we were talking about last week was hearsay. Two guys spitballing, bullshitting a possibility that may or may not happen. Oh no, what I was telling you was true fact. Because I actually... I, I, because I, I know it, that this is what's going to happen. I promise you that this is what's going to happen. I don't know. If you hear the conviction of my voice, I'm never backing down from any part of like, and, and I, you know, I, I always, and you know, I always do, you know, I actually always actually have a, a point where more often than not, I'll always like be like, yeah, you know what? I actually really do. I, I believe that, you know what? I think that it might actually turn out that way. I don't believe it's going to turn out any other way than they're going to show up on television because they have already talked to Vince McMahon. They've already conducted interviews with Vince McMahon. They've been able to have conversations with Vince McMahon. And I know they're totally open with being able to actually go to go on on rest on WWE television for that specific reason of having all of the think about it all the members of the Bullet Club in a WWE ring just standing looking at each other and that's the picture that people are walking away with for they do, they don't even talk they don't do shit to each other they just look at each other and people are just looking are what like this is happening right now like. That's the reaction that people are going to get. And I promise you that people are going to get it because they've been firing it off. And especially with Cody Rhodes literally going in there like that the clip I told you about from Juice Robinson where he went out there and said, I promise you that it's almost positive that we were going to be showing up on WWE TV. Meaning that they've talked to Vince McMahon and that they're working it out and that it'll be happening. It's not going to happen. It's not happening in like that this okay. very moment, but okay. it's going to. Okay, give me, give me a timeline. Before we wrap this up, give me a timeline. When does it happen? 2019. 
2019. 100%. 2019's 365 days. Give me. Does it have Any Pre WrestleMania, post WrestleMania. I don't have a timeline for you because it's going to be it's going to be very secretive. It's going to be very Matt and Jeff Hardy. It's going to be very fu- it's going to be so under your thumb. No one under no one no one is getting any kind of wind of this. They will not allow this. This is too big. This is too massive. And whatever any kind of pop that anybody's ever thought of of like oh we need to keep AJ Styles really quiet before he comes in in the Royal Rumble that is nothing compared to whatever pop that was of oh we need to get Hall, Hall and Nash they're going to show up on WCW TV it's going to be crazy I can't believe this I wonder what people are going to think about that this is going to be through the roof when this happens when this actually does happen it's going to take place sometime in 2019 can't tell you exactly when but it will I promise you all right. All right, fine. I still think I still think that everything centers around Jericho, and that's why Vince allowed Jericho to go over. No, and actually, the, when when you do put in the context of, of seeing it as you know when when he has because Jericho does have the ability that he get, that the, that he can actually hornswoggle a lot of that ability to be able to uh, to he, he does have that. Well, I'm saying uh, they offered the guy five contracts, right? They offered him five contracts over the last two or three years, whatever it was. They offered him five deals, and he said no to every single deal. That's literally Vince McMahon probably sending somebody, probably maybe even sending Triple H. Go fly over to Japan, meet with him. Hi, Triple H. Nice to meet you. Let's have a steak. The answer is no. Yeah. Okay. Jericho. Hey, man. I want to do a cross. I want to do like a thing with you. I want to do this Alpha versus Omega. What do you think? I love it. Let's do it. Hey, okay. So while we're working out the match, Vince McMahon says hi. You know you got a crank in your neck? Vince McMahon's got a guy. No, you know what I'm saying. All I'm saying is, I think I think that Jericho was sent over there not to just have a killer match. I think I think it was, and I, I understand that everything was cleared with Vince. But why was it so easily cleared with Vince? Why would Vince allow he made a lot of money with it? Yeah, he well Jericho did. Vince didn't make any money with it. No, but that's why that's why apparently, from what I understand, from the, from what I understand, it was the 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 call that was made to Vince McMahon was very very not cut and dry that way. It was very straightforward. The fact that like Vince. I'm going over to do something with New Japan. I'm no longer under contract. I'm allowed to do what I want, but I want to call you and let you know that I'm doing this because it's in my best interest because you're the only one that I've worked for. What do you think about this? Well, you're going to go make a lot of money. I don't. From what I understand of any story I've ever heard about anybody who's ever left, Vince has never stood in the way of anybody to go out there and go make money because he loves to make money. So therefore, I want I want my people to go out there and flourish. But you don't and think there was a portion, to push my product as well. You don't think there was a portion of that conversation where he was like, "Okay, yeah, absolutely, you're gonna make a lot of money. Do me a favor while you're over there. Tell Kenny I said hi." All Maybe. I'm saying, all I'm saying is that that's Vince, possible. All I'm saying is that Vince McMahon, we've talked about it. Vince McMahon is moves ahead. Totally. Vince McMahon sees things really well because this is he's literally one of the he's the creator of this business that we all love. Everybody's taken their tidbits from him. They've picked from the tree. So you don't tell me that Vince McMahon saw a possibility? I can't get to Kenny. He said no. But if this is happening, I could send this guy over. Boom. Yeah, and that's so very possible. That's probably what opened the door to the conversations of having Bullet Club one day, eventually soon, in 2019, we don't have a timeline, showing up. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is, is that Vince McMahon, it was so easy to, yeah, he's not under contract. It was so easy to say, yeah, sure, go, you're going to make a lot of money while you're over there. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Do this yeah. for me. So all I'm saying is Vince McMahon thinks 7, 8, 9, 10 moves ahead. That's why I would never want to play the man in chess. As soon as I move my first pawn, he's already thought of six different ways to take my queen. I'm fucking screwed. So that's all I'm saying about with Vince McMahon. When he never stands in the way, yes, of anybody making money. But this was all predetermined. 
Cody's going to go out there. Cody's going to be a superstar. He's going to get in with Kenny. I got him in there. Not the way I listen to Cody talk. I really, don't, I definitely don't believe that. I don't believe that well, Cody. Well, all, had all I'm to saying do with is, that. is that you put these little pawns out there. Put these because Cody still has a great working relationship with Vince. Not, a, I don't. Well, I'd probably say a good relationship in total, personal and working. He's always there's been respect there. Cody, yeah, he's kind of shit talked WWE here and there, but not to the point of a CM Punk. Oh no, they've both gone out there very, very publicly and said fuck the revival and fuck. WWE and like they've gone very public when it comes to a lot of this stuff especially when they do the my favorite is when they go uh, into hot topic when they have cameras and they all of them go into hot topics and they're like hey do you guys have a revival section I hear they're one of the greatest tag teams ever and they're forever I hear they're gonna be forever it's forever the revival right you guys have a revival section right and like they because they go out there and make fun of them because they're it's it's awesome because they literally pick apart like all the tag teams on the main roster that are just Garbage. They're like they're they're total garbage. Hey, nobody's ever. We've bitched about the WWE main roster. We yeah, bitched yeah. about it back and forth. All I'm saying is, is that there's still a working relationship there. Even totally. If, even if Cody's shit talking totally. WWE, it's WWE still making money. Yeah. Because there's gonna be people when Cody's overseas that don't know anything about the WWE product. Totally. Know, or know very little. So why are you always shit talking this company? I'm gonna check it out. Even if the guy checks it out for one month, they still make ten bucks. Yeah. And if a thousand people do that, they made ten bucks over a thousand people. It's a hundred grand. Yeah, all yeah. I'm saying is, it's still good publicity. Bad publicity is a way to make money. Totally. But all I'm saying is, I'm thinking all these pawns were planted for one goal and one goal only: to get Kenny Omega, Marty Scroll, the Elite, whatever you want to call it, in a WWE ring, if only for one time only. And yes, we did talk about it. But all I'm saying is, it's easier now. The segues there because of all the people that are around Kenny. For a long time, blinders on. Nope, had a bad experience, never doing that again. I'm a god here. I'm not doing anything like that again. They're all gods there, that's why. <laughs> well, they all they all are gods, but it took it took Kenny went over there, was a god almost instantaneously. Look at all the credentials he had. Cody, the Young Bucks, those other guys, they probably had to work just a wee bit more. But Kenny kinda had the whole package from the get go. You look at Kenny Omega, other than me making the crack about the ice cube hair, the dude's got the whole package. We've proven that. We saw the promos, we heard them tonight. The whole package is there. Why WWE didn't see it 13 years ago? Beyond me. I can't even fathom that. Because if they had a guy like that, the company would be in a way better position than what it is now. Right. It would have been in a way better position. And there would be no Bullet Club. There would be no AJ Styles, none of that stuff. All that stuff wouldn't... Well, actually, there would be a Bullet Club. But you get my point. All I'm saying is all those moments, all those moments that we touched on, Marty Skull coming in, all that probably wouldn't have happened. If Kenny Omega didn't get rejected or have a bad experience in 05. So from that bad experience, he probably had his blinders on. And planting these little seeds, these little pawns, even here and there, quick what? Working with Jericho. Oh man, I love the way you work. I love the way I work. See how WWE does their shit now. I understand he had a bad experience 10 years ago. But man, those conversations happened. Kenny's probably picked brains. But what's this and that? Because he, Kenny knew that eventually, down the line, even for one night only, there's a way to make an insurmountable amount of money because of the global reach the WWE has. New Japan is still only New Japan. WWE is very global. New Japan is, is, is global too, yes, but the reaches are different. You get what I'm saying? The reaches totally. are the reaches are 100% different. But all I'm saying is Cody can go out there and shit talk WWE all he wants, still making money. Both of them. Yeah, yeah. Whether totally. whether it's WWE shit talking Cody, and the great thing about WWE, they haven't they haven't erased Cody from anything like they did CM Punk. No. So that tells you that there's always a door open. 
Yeah, and from what I understand, even when he left, that was like the same deal of like just having a great relationship with them, and and even like retweeting Instagram, liking on Instagram, and like I've watched their social medias, and it's actually pretty cool that they still have like a a really good relationship together. So I've gone to seeing that little heart pop up. Oh, WWE like my shit. Okay, I'm gonna like their shit. Or seeing that we treat or whatever. It's still I'm saying it's amazing. So even if Cody said some harsh things here and there, planting these little seeds to have five minutes or ten minutes alone with Kenny Omega. To get a little bug in his ear, all you need is one earworm, one word that changes your opinion or your landscape of any situation. And Vince McMahon, these moves were predetermined. He yeah. knew Vince. I think Vince McMahon yeah. saw this when he knew he couldn't reach Kenny. He saw these things as an opportunity, which is why it was like, "Yeah, you're not under contract. I can't hold you back." But at the same time, while you're over there, do me a favor. And I'm sure those conversations happened and they took place. The- here, here's the thing about Vince McMahon that I'm actually really excited about. That I'm, I'm, and you know what? It's actually a good way to wrap up this. It's a, it's a great way to actually wrap up the show. Is the fact that I actually am really, really excited that Vince McMahon has nothing to do with any of this. I'm really glad that um, this seems like it really because you can tell from watching Being the Elite, and you can tell with the way that they do things and how that they, they do what they do, that they're really all friends. That they're not these dudes that are just working together to go make money off of each other and you know the set and the rest of it this is nothing like the wwe it's literally five dudes just out there having a lot of fun and they're really good at what they do and um furthermore the fact that um they're all perfectly capable of running an entire roster better than anybody on that entire wwe roster could possibly even handle none of them could handle anything that these nobody's guys nobody's disagreeing with you on that no one can touch these guys in any way shape yeah aj styles can you know these these one-off guys that are are doing yeah they're incredibly talented and i think it's amazing but unfortunately aj styles is actually in a sea of People have to keep up with him because no one can, and it's and it's in like in these. But in that's these situations. good, right? He's he's and, literally top five. Yeah, and I think it's great. It's just really boring for watching matches of people that I want to see two people get in the ring with, and these guys are the the elite guys. They only perform on matches with people that I, they know are going to be at that caliber. They are in that running of being able to actually um, being able to to handle creating their own matches and actually working, not only working with Ring of Honor, working with New Japan, working with, it's very Americanized and it's very Canadianized and it's very, it's very Japanese at the exact same time. Whereas in, instead it's, I wouldn't want any of them to come back to the WWE and be stuck. Not on, on a permanent basis. Three, not just, a, just not give on me a permanent month. basis. Yeah, totally, totally. Give me totally. a one month storyline, a little invasion angle, culminate with like some big hell in the cell match or like a yeah. full out war. Give me like, give me like an empty arena match where ten of them just go to town on each other, and it's the bloodiest, totally. most disgusting, sexiest thing ever. Totally. Cody Rhodes gets a beer thrown in his face. Seth Rollins gets thrown off a fucking balcony. Just absolute chaos. At the end of it all, Kenny Omega standing on a pile of WWE wrestlers as he raises the IGWP Championship. Give me that, and I'm sold. Totally. I only need one month of it. Totally. Give me literally five episodes of Raw where they invade or SmackDown, whatever one they choose roster they want to go after, culminated in an amazing 60-minute match, and I'm done. Checkmark, bucket list complete. Yeah. I'm not saying that this has to be a forever shadow. Oh, yeah. No, and I mean, and, and, I, and I guess in, in general of the way that they, um, how they, uh, the, how the, the, um, the Bullet Club guys, how they, had, they, they left their WWE's, to the, their, their WWE ventures to go off and go do their own thing. 
it's really nice to actually, even though the Bullet Club is, yes, it's very, very all over the place, it's really nice to actually have the Attitude Era back again. It's really nice to actually have two companies raging war against each other in a way that they're not actually raging war against each other. They're all just really good. And you don't know which which to, to tune into because AJ Styles' match is going on over here and then you know Kenny Omega's match is going on over here and Cody's match is going on over here and, oh man, Brock Lesnar's match is going on over here. And nah, we're, we're, I would skip that one. And the, the, the still, like even for the guys that are not athletic of being able to and go in there and just go tell a story of whatever, any of those guys that just go in there and don't really have that, that, that big of a moveset, but they go in there and they just absolutely crush a story with their faces when they go in there, and especially even watching like Alistair Black versus Velveteen Dream from last year. Two amazingly athletic guys, they put on a great story in the ring. There are so many different levels of wrestling that you get to watch now that I think that's what I'm just really excited or about. Gargano, Gargano Ciampa, one, two, or three. All stellar matches. Yeah. Not great endings, but all stellar matches. Yeah. And like where you get into, yeah, where you get into stuff like that, where it's just like, there's another example where it's just like, we didn't have this like five years ago, even up until then. Like it was literally like you. I would say about. I would say actually longer. I would say about seven or eight personally. Yeah, like to the point where it was that we've been so amazingly deprived of um, being able to just watch the most amazing stuff that we really want to watch, and whatever it is that you truly feel like you want to get to watch as a wrestling fan. And a lot of times WWE really deprives me of that, and it really sucks for me as a fan that I get to watch that I have to that I force myself to watch it, and then by the end of it go, why did I watch that? Because before, that was the only alternative, and then I just stopped watching because I just couldn't watch any more of it, unless it was the little bits of what I wanted to. Much so, like Nia Jax deprived us of Becky Lynn versus Ronda Rousey. <laughs> <laughs> we got the elite now to really push. We, we got this elite group of gentlemen being the elite, just the elite in general, that have just taken wrestling to another level. And it's been a very long episode, but, a, a, but a, incredibly, I feel like a really important one at that because... It's really, it, it, they're, these guys are doing things that have so many other wrestlers on notice, have so many other promo guys on notice, have so many, especially the fact that and I think this is the biggest tidbit of all of the reason why I love any foreigner who has the guts and the balls to go over to Japan and go do what they're doing. And this is on notice for people like Naka, Shinsuke Nakamura and Asuka and people like that who come over and unfortunately have been on TV for so long that uh, you haven't spoken a lick of English and I don't really understand a thing you're saying, so I have nothing to invest in you in any way. I don't care if you're still going on an 800 streak or whatever. You're the same as Goldberg. I know nothing about you. I don't want to invest myself in you. With them, they have personalities. And not only that, but when you go over there, you have to learn how to speak Japanese. That's how we're going to close this whole show is Kenny Omega just doing some funny stuff, saying some funny crap, and then actually speaking incredibly fluent Japanese. WWE, take some effing notice, and please, for the love of God, get some language barriers totally detached from the humanity of, of Canada and America, and please show us the fact that you can really just have somebody come in and speak some English and show us that like you actually like or we have something to invest in you, because we can't when you don't know how to talk. Um, and you only know how to speak in your language that we don't understand. So um, it really it really shows off the barriers of which the, the foreigners really go off over there and really learn. And, and uh, I think it's absolutely incredible of what these guys do over there. And I think uh, Kenny Omega, man, that's going to be the coolest thing ever. When uh, Just like what we talk about, I'm just kind of buzzing about it in my head. I think it's going to be a really cool time when that when that really does happen. Whenever that, that happens. 2019. 2019. That's all we got. 
All right, so we're going to close the show with Kenny Omega clip, but just to remind everybody, no Survivor Series pre-show this Sunday. Next week, uh, we're going to surprise you. We're going to see what we feel like talking about. If we want yeah. to break down Survivor Series and how bad it sucked, or how maybe it surprised all of us, I don't know. But here we go. Kenny Omega doing some crazy stuff. And after that, the outro. As always, I'm your host with the most, George Bukai. Steve the Animal Mitchell, everybody. We'll see you guys next week. But a guy that was born in the same city as I was. Oh. oh. He will not raise the flag and the G1, but instead will wave the Bullet Club flag. Same shit. You guys want to like me because I'm the best wrestler in the world? Well, uh, duh. Why the fuck wouldn't you? Days like today, you understand? They happen maybe once in a lifetime. So take it from me. Don't be afraid to dream. Don't be afraid to reach for the stars. But let me warn you now, right as you're about to reach that dream, someone like me swoops in and takes it from you because I am the best. I am more talented. I have more drive. I have more determination. I am not like any one of you. And the more knees I hit, the more loopy that motherfucker gets, and the more shattered his jaw gets. It only took a barrage of knees and one-winged angel to finish the job. So I was confident going into the match. It was difficult. In two days, I had to wrestle over one motherfucking hour. That sucks. Oh, yeah, WWE. They wrestle for an hour, and then they so do it's a, a press conference feeling. after. Oh, boy, so I'm going to sleep yeah. well, take an H-bomb, sleep on the flight the whole way home. So this next message goes to all the fellow wrestlers watching. Oh, yeah, I know you're watching. I even know the guys down in Orlando are watching. Well, guess what? Today is your lucky day because I'm giving y'all a G1 worth of study material so you guys can get started and train for the next Kenny Omega life, but it ain't gonna happen. The Bullet Club, oh yeah. So what, we're not the number one sellers in New Japan. Are we the number one sellers worldwide? Uh-huh, yes we are. Woo! Are we gonna be the number one sellers in Japan again? After today, uh, yeah, I fucking think so. But I know you people don't understand. Wakaranai naro. I'll translate the rest. Just this time, I will speak Japanese. Surprised, aren't you? I'm sorry to say it, but up until now, I just didn't want to speak Japanese. I'm a heel after all.
good night. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. Wrestling!